Hello and welcome to Tips and Tales, Ski Racing Media's official podcast for the week of March 13th, 2019. Once again, I am Sean Higgins and I'm joined as always by ski racing staff writer Mackenzie Moran. Hey. On today's show, Mackenzie and I will be discussing the weekend's World Cup action in Spindler of Mlin, Czech Republic on the women's side and the iconic men's races that went down in Kranskogora, Slovenia. We'll be talking a little bit about the upcoming World Cup finals in Soldeo Andorra that get underway today with the men's and women's downhill and what we are looking to see in the final races of the season. And we will also be recapping the 2019 NCAA Skiing Championships that wrapped up over the weekend in Stowe, Vermont, with another special guest interview by Ski Racing Media intern and Dartmouth College student-athlete Jimmy Krupka, who will be talking with head Alpine coach of the newly crowned NCAA champion University of Utah Utes, Mr. J.J. Johnson. All right, Mackenzie, so there was some exciting action in the Czech Republic for the women over the weekend. Fill us in on what happened on the women's side. Biggest news that came out of Czech Republic was that Michaela broke Vreni Schneider's record for the most World Cup wins in a single season at 15 total wins, which has been a record that has stood since 1988 and 89 season. That's a 30-year record that a 23-year-old racer just broke. I think that's a pretty big deal. And that came after a not-so-great performance from her in Giant Slalom on Friday. I think that nerves got to her a little bit, especially on that first run. She did not ski as clean as we normally see out of Michaela Schifrin. But her performance in the slalom on Saturday reaffirmed why she is the best in that discipline. She came out with zero inhibitions, no pressure, had already clinched the title, was just trying to ski her best skiing, did that, and showed us, you know, why she's on top in the overall and in the slalom because she... I think Petro trailed her in third by at least two seconds, and that was just third place. So that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, and it looked like the women had to deal with some pretty variable weather conditions on both Friday and Saturday. How did the the field handle that? Yeah, this weekend saw a weird mix of snow and rain, but the organizing committee did a really good job of salting and hosing down the course when necessary to help it hold up. And I didn't hear any complaints from the athletes about course conditions, um, mostly complimentary notes about how well the organizing committee did and how much work they had to put into keeping that going because nobody wanted to see a second weekend, second round of cancellations in a row. So they did a good job of fighting through the conditions and variable weather and a changing bumpy course. And let's move on and talk a little bit about this GS Globe. We mentioned last week how Michaela really has her sights set squarely on getting that GS Globe at at World Cup Finals, and she took one more step in that direction, uh, adding to her lead, now 97 points up on her nearest competitor. What are your thoughts on Michaela's GS performance on Friday? It wasn't Michaela's best GS performance, but she did ski the fastest second run, which allowed her to move up from fourth place into third place, which is just what she needed to continue to hang on to that lead over Petra Volhova, who took over Tessa Worley's spot in second in the overall standings. She currently is three points short of the clinch, which in a Michaela Schifrin sense is kind of, is basically a clinch. 
we've rarely seen her not finish a race and that's what would need to happen for her to not take the giant slalom title so even though it's going to come down to that final race in Soldu next week we'll see how it shakes out but I'm feeling pretty confident that Michaela's got her hands on that globe already yeah two very specific things need to happen for Michaela to not walk away with that title one she needs to DNF and two Petra Volova needs to win and I, I don't doubt that Petra can win, but yeah, I have a hard time thinking that Michaela won't make the finish this week. Yeah, that would be incredibly unlike her. Were there any other performances over the weekend that stood out to you, either good or bad? Another performance from this weekend that I thought was pretty special was Eva Maria Brem's sixth place finish in the Giant Slalom. After winning a Globe back in 2016, she's had a tough go of it in terms of injuries and has had a really hard time to find the top 10 since then. She actually hasn't finished in the top of the field since she won her globe. And she led the Austrian women with three women in the top 10, which I think is one of the better results that Austria has had in the giant slalom so far this year. So to see her get back on top and lead the charge for the Austrian women, I think was a big deal this weekend. Um, given their drought of podiums over the past couple of race weekends and in world championships. Unfortunately, Frida Hahn's daughter, who had been sitting in third in the slalom this weekend after a pretty solid first run, had a major mistake in her second run, fell back into seventh. And I was bummed to see how that played out for her, knowing that she's going to be retiring after finals next week in Soldu. That was something she announced last Wednesday I do believe she's had a 15 year long career she won gold in the slalom in Pyeongchang has also won a slalom crystal globe and I think that she's seen a lot of great success over her career but based on how she's skiing this season and the kind of results that she was getting I feel like it's probably a good time for her to for her to go if she's she's had a pretty decent season has had a couple podiums has really pushed and contended for those top spots especially in the slalom Frida has been such a fixture on the women's circuit for so many years that we'll be sad to see her go yeah I agree Frida has been one of the most visible stars on the women's side of the sport for so many years now and to see her get that cherry on top of her career last season with that gold medal in Pyeongchang was not only amazing for her, but amazing for Sweden and their heritage and slalom. So I think we'll, we'll all be sad to see her step in the start gate for the last time in Soldeo. So Sean, what were your big takeaways from the Tech Weekend in Kronskogora? Yeah, the men's racing in Kronskogora was, was incredibly exciting over the weekend. We had uh, the GS on Saturday was hampered a little bit by fog in the morning. There was a two-hour delay right out of the gate. And looking at the pictures from the scheduled start time from when the race actually started at 11.30, it was, you couldn't have gotten two more different uh, atmospheres. It was thick, thick fog. You could barely see a couple gates up from the finish. And then it was uh, bright sunshine and, and some awesome spring racing by the time racing did get underway. And the the real big takeaway for me in that GS was just the amount of young talent there is right now in men's giant slalom. The podium was the average age of the podium was only 23, and I think you'd be hard-pressed 
to find in, in recent history a podium that is nearing that young in age. You had Henrik Christofferson continue his streak in GS, take the win, and then he was joined by two newcomers to the podium, which was incredibly exciting to see with Rasmus Windingstad, his uh, Norwegian teammate, fighting the podium for the first time in second, and then Marco Odermott delivering on all the promise of four gold medals in last year's uh, World Junior Championships, finding his first podium as well, and he's only 21, and that's incredible to see on the especially on the men's side in tech to see uh, an athlete perform that well so early in their career and an interesting point that i picked up on was both christopherson and windingstad credited their time skiing on salted snow as children to their success on on friday and i think there's a lot to be said about that just given the the premium that the ski racing world puts on uh training on winter snow as much as you can but uh norway doesn't have the the high altitude glaciers like central europe does so when you're a kid and you train at home a lot of the time it's it's uh on slush and and you're salting and i think to have that skill set in your your quiver is something essential especially when you get down to these last couple races of the year and it really showed with the norwegians on uh on friday and how did the americans fare in kranskagora this weekend yeah the americans had a solid day in in gs you had three scores in there with tommy ford ted Ligeti, and ryan cochran siegel some really solid first runs especially out of ryan i think he sat in 11th after the first run and slipped back a little bit i finished 18th overall but, uh, I mean, those three guys have been so solid. I know Ted's been struggling a little bit with some residual back pain, but Tommy has really stepped up. Tommy Ford has really stepped up this year in Giant Slalom. And Ryan, I know we talked about how hard he is on himself uh, a few weeks ago, but to see him start to figure things out and, and get more consistent in his first runs, you know, he's got some things to figure out in his second run. But I think when Ryan starts really trusting his abilities in that second run, he'll be able to to be just as fast as Tommy and Ted. And another really awesome performance came from uh, Canada's Trevor Philp, who landed in eighth place for his first World Cup giant slalom top 10. He had a really amazing second run, really punched it in there, took advantage of an early start number and uh, reaped the rewards after we gave him a little bit of a shout out and some words of encouragement on uh, the show the other week. So I guess we could say we're a little bit of a good luck charm for him. Yeah, we'll have to see how he does at World Cup Finals next week now that we've given him a shout-out twice on the show. Unfortunately, though, Trevor's eighth place did actually bump Ryan Cochran-Siegel to 26th in the Giant Slalom standings by one point, meaning that Ryan will not be starting the GS in Soldeu. I know he was pretty crushed by that. He posted about that on Instagram on, on Sunday. And we've talked about how hard Ryan is on himself. He's got the talent. He knows he's got the talent. He just needs to figure those things out. And I get how disappointing that can be to, to miss out by such a close margin. But he is ranked 21st in the Super G standings right now. He will be in Sildeu. He will have a chance to score those World Cup points, get top 20 in the world, and uh, make that A team for next year. So definitely looking forward to the rest of the season for Ryan. What did you think about Zen Heuser's Solomon? Yeah, I was definitely not expecting Ramon Zenhuizen to uh, pull out the win on on Sunday. Uh, it was another spring racing day. The conditions were, were breaking down, and he sat in seventh place. He was full nine-tenths out of the lead going into that second run. And, and if you've seen him ski, he's far and away the tallest slalom skier on tour. He looks almost out of place on a slalom course. He's taller than the gates. He 
his arms are f- swinging around, his legs are going every direction, but he keeps his center of mass going down the fall line better than anyone else on the World Cup, I think. And I think when conditions do get soft and get rutted up, he is able to use that length and to really keep his momentum moving down the hill better than anyone else. And I think you really saw that in that second run. He was eating up the deficit he had on on the people in front of him within the first 10 seconds of the course on almost everyone. And uh, to win the race by over a second like he did after being nine-tenths out after the first run was one of the most impressive performances I think I've seen all season. So it'll be interesting to see how he uh, goes into finals with that confidence. All right, I'm moving on to World Cup finals that get underway today with the men's and women's downhill. Mackenzie, I know a lot of the, the Globes are virtually locked up, but what are we really looking to see this week in Soldeu? On my end, I would really like to see Michaela Schifrin walk away with four Globes. She's had a great season, and I think that that would be super cool to see because it would be unexpected from all sides of the field, especially from her team. With her performance in Super G this season that kind of came out of nowhere and the fact that she got lucky in the two races she decided to skip out on in the Super G, both were canceled. She can still pull that off. The Super G standings are still pretty close between her and Tina Virather, and I think that it's going to come down to the wire, but it would be nice to see her pull out not three globes, but four globes. Yeah, I agree. I think that Super G race is going to be really interesting to see just with how close it is. We talked about it last week on the show, and then we all know Mikhail has that killer instinct. So, uh, yeah, I think chances are good for your wish to come true, Mackenzie. We'll see. Hopefully I don't jinx her, but knock on wood. On the Austrian side of things, I'm hoping to see a few of their racers come out on top and perform in finals because I think that their women's team has really put in a lot of work this season and deserves to see a couple of top three finishes and hopefully some of the women in speed pull out that overall globe title. And it is a a relatively new venue. Women haven't raced in Soldeu since 2016 and it's a completely new venue for the men. I think they've had uh, Europa Cups there on the men's side in the past, but a lot of these World Cup guys have not been to Andorra for a World Cup race before. So it'll be really interesting to see how those top guys adapt to a brand new venue with only maybe a couple training runs under their belts. Uh, speed titles for the men are both still in play. I know we talked last week about Bayat Foyt's a lot would have to go wrong for Bant Foyts to not walk away with that downhill title. And then you have Italy's Dominic Paris really in the driver's seat in that Super G race. Um, Marcel Hirscher did secure the Tech Globes already. But uh, I'm really interested to see who's going to step up and, and kind of spoil the party, sneak on the podium. I'm really hoping for an American man to step on the podium one of these races. It's been a while since an American was on the podium. And uh, one of the guys I'm, I'm really looking for is uh, Tommy Ford in Giant Slalom. He's ranked eighth in the world right now in GS, and one more good result will get him into that first seed. Uh, that'll be a huge step for him in his career to be ranked at the end of the season among top seven in the world. And he's got the speed to find that podium, and uh, 
Bryce Bennett has been incredibly close to the podium and downhill several times this year. Fourth place finishes in Valgardena and Bormio, two of the most challenging downhill tracks on tour. And he's still a young guy as far as the speed tour is concerned. And I think coming to a new venue where everyone is has it looking at it for the first time could really play into his favor with his instinct to find the fall line, find that speed. This needs to get those big on aerodynamic arms under control. And then, uh, he could be a, a podium spoil guy for sure. It's going to be an interesting week in Sylvayu. Moving on to NCAAs, the University of Utah won its 12th title after the races wrapped up this weekend, followed by University of Vermont, 54 points back, and Colorado wrapped up the top three spots in third. Yeah, it was an exciting week of college skiing in Stowe. Vermont put on a on a great championship. The weather couldn't have been better. Conditions on Main Street, the race venue at a at Stowe were some of the best I've seen in uh, collegiate racing. It was nice and hard, good grippy snow, and we have to give credit where credit to do. Congratulations to the Utes. That was pretty impressive showing all week from those guys, Alpine and Nordic men and women, but. I do have to give a shout out to my UVM Catamount. Second place, they only had two men racing and had to deal with a DNF on the women's side. And to only finish 54 points back with three finishes where they came up with zero points. Hey, anything can happen in NCAAs. That's why we love college racing. And our intern, Jimmy Krupka, is actually going to be taking a little bit of a deeper dive into some of the top individual results of the weekend. And he's also going to be sitting down with the University of Utah's J.J. Johnson. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Jimmy Krupka. Hey, it's Sean again. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about how you might be able to help us out. The single best way to support what we do at Ski Racing Media is through a subscription to Ski Racing Premium. From podcasts and World Cup race coverage to our wildly popular American Downhiller web series, Ski Racing Premium is the engine behind everything we do at Ski Racing Media. It literally keeps the lights on for us. Subscriptions cost $35 per year for unlimited premium content on SkiRacing.com, which includes full-length World Cup race features and many of the pieces you will hear us talking about on this show. If you are interested in supporting what we do, head on over to SkiRacing.com and click the subscribe button. All right, now we'll get you back to the show. And we're back and live. I'm Jimmy Krupka, and this is the college skiing segment for Tips and Tales. I'm recording here in studio, and I'm joined today by a very exciting guest whose name I will not disclose, but I'll give you a hint. His first name starts with a J. His middle name starts with a J. His last name also starts with a J. But before we get to that, a lot happened over the past week, and I have to get everybody caught up. So, NCAA Championship started off on Wednesday with Nordic Race, then the men and women's GS was on Thursday. It was a beautiful day, not too warm, sunny skies, an absolutely perfect surface, as everyone was saying, perhaps the best surface they'd skied on all year. Not to put Vermont too much on a pedestal, but we all know how great it is. Anyways, stories from the... GS, on the women's side, Laurent Saint-Germain came back from fifth in the first run to take the win. Um, Ronnie Remy, who, her, na- her name's Ronnie Remy, um, Tangi Neff last week called her um, Remy Roney, which, which is incorrect. Um, 
she was in second and led a strong showing of Utah girls. Um, they garnered the most points for women's GS. There were several national team skiers there on the men and women's side. Um, on the men's side, there were there was a lot of guys sending it, basically. That was the story of the day. Um, Guillaume Grand, Tim Gavitt, and Addison Dvorak were all um, knifing, as the kids say these days, but went out. And it led to an exciting second run because the first run was so tight. And the main story of the day was the Dartmouth guys putting three, there are three guys in the top four, James Ferry, Drew Duffy, and Tongi Neff, our talk with him uh, last week, must have done something for him. He talked about, actually, his goal of winning the GS, and he did it. So that was pretty cool. Um, after the classic Nordic races on Friday, the men and women raced slalom on Saturday, another blue sky day. And stories from that day, live timing broke in the second run, so everyone was left in the dark, as most of you probably know. But that's a story for another time. The men, on the men's side, Jet Seymour, who had his breakout races two years ago, if, you, if some of you remember, at Stowe Norams, um, he won again at Stowe on Saturday after being second on the first run. Tongi Neff straddled on the second run. And he told me, surprisingly, he was very nervous for that run. And this is coming from a guy who skied into a top 15 result at Schladming, which is probably the highest stakes and the biggest crowd. So that should tell you something about what college ski racing means to people and, um, and how important it is to people um, to be part and to contribute to their teams. So that's pretty cool. Um, on the women's side, Laurent Saint-Germain won again. She crushed both runs to win by over two seconds. Ronnie Remy got second again, and the DU girls had a strong showing. In the end, Utah won, UVM second, CU third, and Dartmouth fourth. And that is our recap for NCAA National Championships. Now, he has been sitting here very patiently, not saying a word exactly like I told him. I'd now like to officially welcome on the show Justin Johnson, known by everybody as JJ, first-year coach of the Utah Utes, who just won the NCAA National title. JJ, congratulations. It's great to have you. Jimmy, thanks for having me. It's awesome to be here. Awesome to see you. And, and yeah, I'm excited. It's been a great week. A lot of stuff going on. So, JJ was actually my coach the past few years on the NTG slash D team before he took the job at Utah. I don't know if you want to tell anybody about that or if we should skip over that. No, we can talk about that. Yeah, I mean, the coaching, coaching D team the last couple of years was one of the highlights of, of what I've been doing coaching and and... You know, just like one thing led to another, and you know, some opportunities arose, and it just got into a college environment and a, and a job, job around home where I could be home a little bit more. Because you live in Park City, live so in Park it worked City. pretty well. Huh? Yeah. yeah, and as much as I loved my ski team job and, and still love it and all the people, um, after after racing on that circuit and coaching, it's it's been a nice little change to be home a little bit more after 20 years of a lot of travel. I wouldn't trade any of it for the world, but... Uh, just really psyched to be in this job right now. Yeah, because you were a coach for the U.S. team for how many years? Seven. Six and a half. Six about. and a half yeah. years. Before that, you were at Park City. Yes. 
Park City ski team. Um, and before that, you're on the World Cup. Yes. So you've definitely seen it all, and you've had your fair share of travel in Europe for sure. Um, so it definitely must be nice to be in in one place for a little bit more of the year. Let's dive right in. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> there are definitely some differences from coaching the U.S. team to coaching college. I'm sure. Um, well, f- first and foremost, you you coach both men and women now. Correct. Yeah. Um, but are there some things that you brought to college, and then some things that you wish you could have used back with the U.S. team that you've learned well, from that's college? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Things I brought to college were, you know, uh, connections of and setting up training. Um, I know with the limited amount of training times and days you have with college athletes, like being able to utilize that and get the best possible training, um, you know, to be able to scrap for equipment and, and have some connections there where I can get some equipment that some of these athletes might not have had. Yeah, small and, world ski racing. Yeah, so connections are helpful. Yeah, yeah, so if you can get optimize your training time and get the best – you know, surfaces and places you can train and, and equipment. I think that helps a lot for not having the, the same amount of resources and time for, or just time restraints, I guess, would be the biggest thing. So, And then, obviously, from stuff I've learned this year um, and going back that I, I wish I could use with the ski team is, and which I always worked on was still a little bit more patience, right? Just knowing and, and not being able to do everything all the time and and then having a lot, a ton of resources at Utah was just that, you know, I didn't have to do everything on my own the last couple of years and definitely not this year. So that's some stuff I'd bring back is, is reaching out more and, and communicating more with people. And then I could have, I think that could have opened up a couple more things with the team as far as just, just reaching out and, and using people around me. Yeah. And, and kind of taking advantage of the community and yes, more communication. Um, and then, you know, there was a lot of talk last year on the U.S. team about team culture. And I remember we had an awesome team culture. Did yeah. you, I'm sure you brought those yeah, values. I mean, like, obviously, you know, like we always wanted to be team and culture. And, and you race for yourself, but you race for your team. And I thought that was one of our best things we did the last couple of years and what we we're trying to push forward on the ski team. And obviously college, that's what it's set up for. So to walk into that and, but even though it's set up for that, doesn't mean you have good team environments all the time. Mm-hmm. So, but it's been awesome. I mean, the, the camaraderie, the, the team, and then even actually trying to get kids to, to race for the team. There's a, bu- a little different coaching on some of those college races than I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, what, what's the difference yeah. in, in coaching, do you think, well, going to college? Like, we'll start before the NCAAs, but the, I mean, just the, the point scoring systems and and how do you get, you know, the question was like, how do you still prepare these guys and girls to be as fast in March for, for championship events in a race scenario and then still tell them that they might need to finish that day or to back off a day? So everything you're taught, like, I know how to get people ready for big events and and then you're trying to get them to take chances in second runs, you know, because you can't. But there's different tactical you you decisions yeah, you have to you make. Yeah, you can't recreate that Based on the point systems and so, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, so it can kick you in the, you know, in the rear end every once in a while. Huh, that's yeah. interesting. Hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. Um, how, is, how is your, you know, I know I'm, I'm going to be careful with this question. <laughs> um, for Just for everyone's sake here, but I'm, I'm interested, you know, 
the relationship with the higher-ups on the U.S. team um, was good and bad sometimes in, in yeah. different aspects. And I'm wondering if you have much communication with the higher-ups in the athletic department at Utah and what that's like. Yeah, so, gosh, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good question. It's a difficult question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the higher-ups. So, um, again, I guess it almost goes back to that, you know, what, what the, Utah has taught me about what I could have done with the ski team. Um, you know, first off, when I got to Utah, the resources and the ability to take anything to the top in there and, and give them ideas and ask for things and either get a yes or no and go, that was unbelievable. So it was, it was so you had easy access to the people yeah, at the and top it was with like, your ideas. If I didn't know something and it's like, okay, we have so-and-so project and I'm like, yeah, this could go forward. You need to raise, you know, 1.5 million. And it's like, huh? The ski coach how do i raise 1.5 million and so you go in there and they're like talk to this person this person uh let's have a meeting oh that was a go ahead okay we'll set up the fund you go do raise money now it's like obviously that's skipping around a lot but yeah. just the fact that you know outside of coaching just to be more you know into business or whatever it is and, and yeah. anything that can help the team that it was pretty cool so you're more involved in in kind of the fate of the team and the business yes. aspect of it yes and, and uh and they gave me full reign with all that stuff. So it's that's been really, really special. Um, and I've learned a ton, you know, and I learned that my my admin and, and communication skills that I thought were, you know, always been working on, um, with that and their their trust in in letting me run a program that I've my admin stuff's probably five or tenfold than what I was doing with the ski team. But hmm. I I'm doing really well at it, so it's it's been cool. So I'm like I, I could do it. I just needed a you know a little kick in the right direction. So. That's interesting, and I'm I'm sure that that's some feedback that the the U.S. team yeah. would appreciate. It's something that they could um, maybe run with. Um, so let's go to NCAA championships. First off, who's on your team? I know, but this is for the people. For the NCAA champs. NCAA champs. Yeah. So yeah. our guys' team was our American Addison Dvorak. Um, and then Joachim Lien, Norwegian kid, freshman it's this Joachim. year. It's Joachim. It's not Joachim. No, not Joachim. Okay. Joachim, Joker, Sloppy Joe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Mark Engel, mm-hmm. who was our 34-year-old returning sophomore. But yeah. <laughs> no, Mark's 27. I'm sure most people on here will know who Mark is. Uh, and then women's side was uh, uh, Remy Ronnie. Remy Roney. Remy Roney. Ronnie Remy. Um, Christine Fossa Osberg mm-hmm. and Irene Engeset. So two Norwegians, two Norwegians and a Canadian. And a Canadian. Yeah. So you have a very international team. Very international team. Yeah. yeah. And the, the girls had an awesome GS day. Yeah. Um, but walk me through NCAAs. Okay. So. Like, start of the GS. Okay, start of the GS. Um, you know, we have Addison, who's won he had DNF two races in the West and won the other four. Uh, Joachim and won or podium the last four or five races of the west and then mark the only he raced three gs's and only ran about five days of gs gates all year because his back couldn't handle it but they were one three and four coming out of the west so we had like so you had a yeah, strong and they were immense they team. were hammering in alaska for regionals so we were very confident there so the girls performed and irene was always i don't think she's been on top five much all year in gs and even a couple podiums at norams so the girls, you know, the girls did their thing. Ronnie was awesome too, getting second. And then going in the guys, it was like, okay, here we go. Let's put some, 
put some distance on some people. And, uh, you know, Joe, Joachim, he skied well and just just a little too much line, but he's still eighth, seventh or eighth first run. And, and Mark was right there in sixth, I think, somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah. And then Addison, yeah. just one of the best runs I've seen him ski in competition and uh, over, over horse barn and knocked his pull out and then just thought he had to do a little too much on the bottom. And that goes back to that whole college thing where what's too much, you know, you can't yeah. say it. It just, you know, if he stood up, maybe he's fifth that run still. And, uh, but game time decision, you don't know what, you know, you guys, yeah. you guys are just going. Yeah. They're going for the as win. As anyone. Yeah. yeah. And that's what you have to do. Yeah. So, so that dramatically changed how that whole day was going. And then th this has been the fun part, which I've never seen in ski racing. The, the difference that made for Joe and Mark's second run, where they backed off a little bit and moved back to like 12th and 14th because they knew they couldn't take the risk. Yeah, the team so, needed the points yeah, so, so they couldn't go out. So it yeah. was wild. It was wild yeah. to watch. I was like, whoa, I've never seen anything like this. Um, so that's how that GS day turned around. I, we were looking we're looking really good. And then and at the end of the GS day, Dartmouth was leading and, and not the, Utah. End of the GS day after we won women's in points and we were up 50 on Dartmouth to start the day, all of a sudden we're down four. Because Big Green just crushed. Yeah. So it was fun to watch Drew and, and James do that. Yeah, quick stat yeah. here. Everyone knows I'm a stat guy. Um, I heard this stat. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's right. You said you coached, of the 34 guys competing in sub-lays, you had coached at one point in their career 17 of them. Yes. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. <laughs> I think so. Give or take two or three. But So it's hard, yeah. it's hard to... Uh, watch people going down and yeah. not cheer for him, huh? Yeah. And you know, you know me, Jimmy, like... If I am never gonna cheer for anyone to go down or fail, yeah. So if their skiing is better than our skiing, it's awesome. And like those are all my boys, you yeah. guys, you Drew, Eric, you know the whole crew. Like I want all those guys to crush it. So it's still like <laughs> it's still really rewarding, you know, to watch that all the time. Mm -hmm. So was there pressure going into the last day because you guys had the? It was a slim margin, but you had the lead. The Nordies gave you the lead going yeah. into Saturday. So the Nordies crushed it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was incredible. Um, they peaked the right time, and they were whatever. Between the men and the women that second to last day, they were two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think was their placings. Wow. So it was crazy. Um, and then, yeah, so we had a 50-point lead going the last day, 75 on UVM. And I have never, ever done a team meeting where I'm trying to tell people, to ski aggressive, but but don't go out conservative. Does that yeah. make any sense whatsoever? Yeah. Like I couldn't yeah. do it, you know. So we had a big open discussion because I was like, let's just get it all out there, like because everyone's like beats around the bush with that. Oh, don't hook a tip, don't do this. And I was like, let's talk about how how we can ski, you know. Don't make dumb yeah. mistakes. So it, it was yeah. crazy and. Um, the what I heard from our athletes going in the first run or after the first run was just how nervous it just the pressure that was felt there was different than anything else. Yeah. And to watch people throughout the whole field who have done World Cups or have 10 points and ski probably two seconds slower than they should. It's, it was one of the most wild things I've ever seen in a ski race. So it was fun to be on that. But yeah, the the girls were super really, really tentative. Uh, and Joachim did it well. He was, uh, but he, I mean, there was so much snow coming off his skis at the top and then yeah. around. And, and Mark just, um, he had one of the best quotes at the end. So his back is pretty much had, had nothing left and was seized up. And 
And he said it, that this is going to be his last year. Yeah. Yeah. And this was his. He did everything he could this whole week. He's like, it's, I can barely move. It's, it's all I can do to get through. But he cut down true Mark fashion. He's like, he's like, that was perfect. I couldn't move my back, so I was straight up and down. So I couldn't really hook because I couldn't really get angles. So I was just like going, <laughs> going side to side around. He's like, it was just perfect. In ninth place, and I'm like, wish I could get ninth place without being able to move. But um, yes. But it was it was intense because so yeah when he went the live time stopped working, and on the feed you couldn't see the times. So then I'm on the roll, and then the men's men's race happens, and I hear like Royceland and uh, McConville were like second fourth, and I'm like, which they weren't, but I didn't know that. And I'm like, oh, okay, timing. so we lost. Yeah. Maybe we lost thirty points there. Uh, okay, let's say that's max. And now we're up forty, and then I'm like, then our girls go, and I'm like, wait a second, if if uh, low and and Moulton go one two and Ronnie hooks a tip or something, could blow the seventy point yeah. lead. <laughs> and it wasn't that case at all in the yeah. thing, but it sort of made it fun because to the end I didn't know what had happened mm. and I had started making up things in my head that, but it, it was fun. They like they executed the plan in the weirdest way I've ever seen because I I've, I've never coached <laughs> that right. Yeah, and they did it and they got the points they needed to do and it it was it was incredible. It That's was really cool. one of the most fun experiences I've, I've had as a coach. Well, JJ, it was great to hear about NCAA championships. It was great to have you on the show. This is only my second segment for ski racing. There should be more. Um, yeah, great to have you. Thanks, Jimmy. I love you. All right. Thank you, Jimmy, for another fantastic college segment. And that is our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next Wednesday.